Okay, we have been trying to get this interview for over a year now. Sit back, get ready. Here's episode 66, part one of three of the Skip Martin Chronicles. It's truly almost an act of Congress to uh, to get Skip here. This is a this is a Skip Martin's podcast. Skip Martin podcast. It's not even a Cigar Hustlers podcast anymore. <laughs> no, with with Mike I'm and Mike. Su- as I'm the, the guest. original Cigar Hustler. It's like it's like when Howard Stern originally finally got Eddie Murphy into the fucking radio show. Like this is this is the moment. It just went crazy. The difference is that He's Eddie Murphy Eddie Murphy's side. interview sucked. And um, we're just not even going to have to talk for, like, the next eight hours. That's right. We just turned it on. Hope there's enough memory left on the computer. <laughs> My 1972 Apple computer. Always got to throw a jab. Are we live? Oh, yeah. it's on. So, well, so, so, live, so it, is, uh, it is 10.47 Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Yes, it is. Uh, in the evening. You're going for the record? I, I don't even have to try to hit He's the record. He's not even going to try. We're going we're gonna to cover a lot of ground here, Mike. All right. Try to keep up. Who, wait, wait, who are we going to try to get now, now that Skip has been here? That's, that's been it, like we're done. Shut it down. <laughs> the show's it's over. over. That's it. The show's okay. done. Well, this is episode... Uh, 65. 65. Right. So, like, first of all, I had to get you guys to, like, shake off the, the rookie cobwebs. Right. Uh, I, can't, I can't just appear on... I mean, if I'd one. appeared on episode three or something, you'd have forgotten me like the fucking David Blanco episode or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, many, how many people have gone back and listened to that one? Oh, man, I don't know. I haven't had anybody comment about that one, to be honest. No. Nope. Nobody's really said, hey, you know, that Blanco was fucking amazing. Tomorrow. You know? <laughs> yep. So, and, and we have, uh, we you know, we still have our, our guests in the room. We have uh, Miss Brittany. Hey. Jeffrey. <laughs> and, and the ever so quiet Arlen is in the room as well. But she's not speaking. She spends a lot more. You know the <laughs> you know the only thing more boring than a two hour long congressional field hearing is a five hour podcast. Is a two hour long congressional field hearing in a language you don't understand. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, so that was a that was interesting today. I mean, I, I I watched it from afar via Facebook. So I thought it was interesting. I was a little disappointed that uh, more people didn't show up. Um, I mean, imagine how many retailers within driving distance could have come to that and, di- and didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's really that's the that biggest. Was, that was the most disappointing part of the whole hearing, that there weren't more industry people there. Yeah, the biggest, the biggest problem in our industry, I think, is just this intrinsic apathy. Right. Um, so in, in all areas, you guys talk about that on a weekly well, basis. but Originally, yeah. as part of the Boutique Cigar Association thing that I'm in, I, we were invited, and then they told us not to come. That it was going to be a more uh, a smaller venue than they had originally planned. I think a lot of people only wanted to come if they could talk. Oh, uh, probably yeah. And I don't know if people wanted to come just to listen. So, but it right. was. I mean, look, I flew all the way from Nicaragua right. to attend it. So, I, f- I found it extremely valuable. I mean, it's the very first time that I've heard an actual politician talk about our industry in a way. That reflects at least a basic understanding of our industry, right? Do you think at all he was doing it just to no, say not he at did all? It? No. I mean, I you know I'm not I'm not a far right wing Republican, right. as you know, um, and I was really impressed not only by his genuine interest. I mean, right. he was asked, he was really seeking to do a better job of understanding, 
but the, the the biggest purpose of the meeting, more than anything, was the way our government works is something has to be in the government record for it to be officially considered by people in the government. So if Marco Rubio is going around trying to promote Senate Bill Number 9, um, which has a long-ass, ridiculous name, but basically it's exempt premium cigars from right. FDA regulation, um, if he wants to go around to his peers and to talk about that, he has to be able to refer to evidence and facts that are in testimony that are actually in the record. Okay. So that's, like why this was, mission that's why this wasn't just Marco Rubio shooting the breeze. This was an actual Senate-filled hearing. Right. So it had the same kind of force of law as a hearing that you see on TV, you know, right. where, where they're asking the five-minute questions or whatever. So here's here's the problem, right? And And this is one of the many reasons why I fucking despise some of the people in this industry, like 80% of the retailers. But for one, um, how many fucking posts have you seen in the past five years of, hey, you need to sign here to save this fucking bill? Right. right. So, like, at this point, everybody's fucking totally numb to it. Right. Sign here now. Like, okay. Like for, the, boy, the boy cried wolf. Right. For fucking what? Right? Mm-hmm. So the 20% of the retailers that actually did give a shit, they're like, okay, pal. Yeah, fucking click here. Just like I've done for the past five right. years. Been there, done that. Nothing right? else has happened. And the second thing is that there, there was no, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, I'm not a big believer in the and some of the representatives of our organization because of the fact that, you know, nobody fucking said, hey, this is a big deal. You need to fucking show up, right? Or any of to that degree whatsoever in the certain. Nobody's fucking. Yeah, but we're all grown ups. Sure. You're responsible for understanding your business and understanding sure. that this was a critical thing. So. But how could you know that it was a critical thing when you've heard so many things before? I mean, I knew. Well, I, I can't speak for you. But would you, you consider yourself. The average fucking manufacturer or, or brand owner or even like a retailer, you know, I mean, no, I'm not average, right? Right. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that. I, you know, here, here's the thing, you you didn't have to be there to get the information, right? And the fact that people weren't there, I don't think, and there's no camera on the crowd. There's no right. right. I was gonna, how, how big was the crowd? Was it half full? Quarter there was full? probably forty or fifty people there. Surprisingly, there was no anti people there which mm, i kind of surprising. expected but um i mean it was interesting like i said i I'm, i feel the way you do sign right. another petition blah 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 right. call your congressman blah right. blah blah we're, we're a grassroots organization we're gonna save the world yeah, yeah i mean it's like yeah right um that's like, the, problem. Like the group that went up and they all smoked outside the capitol right that didn't really seem to accomplish much yeah so you know, look here's the thing is the cigar rights of america perfect an organization N- no not even close right if you're a guy who spends $30 a month on cigars, should you spend $30 once a year the to to join the CRA? Yes, you that's should. Just, that's just right. plain. Um, if you're a retailer, should you figure out how to, sh- even if you have to shut your store down for three days, how to fly out to the IPCPR to get re- re-energized about the business and contribute to the to the trade show and make sh- that does the ma- majority of our fighting. Yes, right. Um, if you're a you know a larger manufacturer, should you contribute a significant amount of money and, and participate? Yes. Um, that's that's how the world works. Right. And so, um, I I spent 
I, look, I, I'm not a big fan of this part of Florida. I spent time here when I was in the Navy. Um, You're not? I don't, I, you know, look, for me to come to Florida, I have to get up at 3.30 in the morning. I have to drive. I have to leave my two-and-a-half-year-old. Right. I have to drive, which is basically like taking my life in my hands, driving from Esteli to Managua every time it happens. Right. Riding with you it is. <laughs> and then I have not to the last wait on an airplane, <laughs> go through all the bullshit, fly to Houston, wait for three hours, and then fly somewhere here to Tampa. Um, I, I think we left at 3.30 in the morning. We got here at midnight the next night. Right. So, look, that's not how I like to spend a day of my life. Right. Um. It was worth. I mean, it cost two, three thousand dollars at least for airplane tickets. Mm-hmm. It cost, you know, who knows for the rental car and all that. Um, I just I, think that you were overly excited. You're like, you know what? I think you woke up one morning and you said, "I'm going to get on this fucking podcast. I'm going <laughs> to go. Finally, I'm, I'm going to be close <laughs> enough." And then he's like, "Oh shit, happened. Marco Rubio's talking too about something. I don't know what's going on." No, no really. So I, I was like, "Oh, there he is, right?" Right. So. Fuck it, you know. I want to go see Mickey Mouse or something. So here yeah. you are. So here I am. So what are we going to talk about, Skip? If you don't have a long list of questions, this is going to be, be a very painful five hours. You think so? Oh, it's going to be a I long think so. I mean, so, like, here's the thing. I mean, you've now. listened to this podcast. You know that this podcast isn't your standard, hey, you know, fucking cigar this, cigar that, da 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 cigar tastes you like Rice like, Krispies. And, uh, yeah, you're seeing yeah. regurgitated bullshit. Madagascar over. vanilla, and I score it at 94. Right, so must like, buy a box. Well, every podcast I'm on is not like that anyway. I, I'm, I don't, I don't do the origin story. I don't do the. Uh, well, what normally happens is you just kind of take over the show. Tasting notes, right? Well, what was that last one we saw him on where he took over the show? Um, was that Coops? He was on Coops. Coops, and he brought props. <laughs> you know, and Hector he had Alfonso a better, he had a better setup. Espinosa cigars was really upset about that. He, was like, he fucking brought props. Are you kidding me? Who I was that? I was loaded by the time that show props? ended. He had maps and charts so, and uh, I mean, graphs. No, they, they did a, uh, you know, they, they always review our cigars and do a top 10 at the end of the year. Right. I did my top 10, or my top 20 uh, cigar blogs of 2018. Right. Had them all on a piece of paper. Yeah. He reviewed them all. I mean, in essence, half of it was number one. I mean, it was just the only really realistic source that I I use for uh, anything. Was Charlie there today? Was somebody from Half Wheel there? No, uh, no. Charlie wasn't there, but... Um, he did check in with me. They actually ended up uh, broadcasting it, so I'm sure they're going to do their own piece on it. But Okay. All right. I mean, so all my questions, everything that I want to kind of pull out of you is just you know, personal shit that I know about you. Let's talk about you it. Know? Let's go. You don't know Good. half of the shit about me. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right, you know, because you've lived, like, several lives. I'm surprised you're not 75 years old. Um <laughs> My heart's 75. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask my cardiologist. So um, I, one of the greatest stories that you've ever told me, and I hope that you give it um, everything that I've, I've experienced from in the past on this show, uh, is, is a story about you being uh, in the submarine as the USS Key West. I was on the USS Key West. Yeah, and um, my I was an ELT uh, engineering watch supervisor. Right. So there's two major stories that you told me when you're on in the submarine. All right. Uh, one is when you were locked into a room and shit hit the fan. Right. Yeah. When we when the whole the whole engineering middle level blew up. I'd like you to tell that story. It caught on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just told it. That was oh, that was <laughs> a good story. Good story, Skip. That, that was, nice yeah. job. No, there's more nice to the job. Than that. Skip. I feel like you're not drunk enough to you know because like you go into I'm way drinking. More I, I'm on like these. 
14 to 18 percent stout. I want to hear the story about when he was in submarine training the first day he got there and got hammered. I never went to submarine training because I was a I was a nuke, so we didn't go to submarine school. Right. Well, where did where oh did you? you're talking about uh, when I went to my sea school in New London? That's the one. And I woke up on the golf course in a pool of vomit. That <laughs> frozen, frozen, frozen yeah. to the ground. Yes. Frozen to the ground. If I you know, I, I appreciate you giving the actual details of these stories and not just kind of skimming through them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sea stories are. Uh, I don't know if they convey as well on podcasts. There was the time where we were running a whole torpedo tube full of rum. That was the other story I wanted Rico. to tell you. Yeah. So yeah, you'll have to catch me in an event for one of those sea stories. Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> you got to tell the Bacardi story. Um, it's a long story. We got we time. Have plenty we got of time. time. We got five hours. <laughs> Nothing else going on right now. I'm going I'll for tell the world record. I don't, I don't We're only twelve minutes stories. into our five-hour podcast. He's, it's becoming the Eddie Murphy thing. He's oh, like, he's not going to. Now he's not going to talk. He's going to lock up, and it's just going to be you and me. Talking you know, so he's like, oh, you got questions? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, I do have questions. <laughs> Question number one. He's like, oh, I don't want to talk about. I that. mean, I mean, you let Caldwell get away with. Oh yeah, I. I was abducted in Africa and whatever. Oh, I'll tell you that next time. Yeah, so, like, here's the thing. I haven't slept at Caldwell's house. I don't have have the relationship with Caldwell that I have with you. So, um, I mean, I've slept with him. Oh, okay. It's true. So, I'll I'll say this. I think just about all the guys here have slept with you. So, I told you if I ever came on to to the show that I would start with, I was born a poor black child. Right. Because I really was. <laughs> um, so we can we can get in later about my uh, youth, but I have been everything from, in terms of jobs. Right. Uh, my very first job was emptying emptying trash bags at a car wash, mm-hmm. which I parlayed into a marinating chicken at a fried chicken fast food restaurant. I can see the connection there. Which I parlayed into being the cashier at that restaurant. Which I parlayed to working at a framing shop in the mall. Right. Um, then I uh, took a hiatus to uh, Cal Farley's Boys Ranch, mm-hmm. where I worked in a hog farm. Right. Uh, raised uh, pigs. Um, shoveled chicken shit for every morning <laughs> at four in the morning. Uh, moved irrigation uh, through hay. Uh, you know, uh, did a roundup for cattle mm-hmm. on a horseback, right? Uh, cutting wow. nuts and and uh, and you know sleeping out in the in the rain under the stars. Through, and believe things. it or not, uh, north of Amarillo, eating beans. Yes, <laughs> to uh, being a uh, one of the best baseball players in in the state of Texas. Um, to going to college. Uh, in college, I worked a number of different jobs. Uh, went into the Navy. I uh, was on a submarine in the Navy. Got out of the Navy. Did uh, my own business, which I sold. Uh, a tech thing. And then um, did financial services. Everything from insurance to treasury management. I owned a seat on the Board of Trade. Um, I did debt collections for a little while. Um, I... Started at Dell in the call center as a sales guy, selling uh, part-time while I was in school, selling uh, what are now archaic computers to American Airlines employees as an employee purchase thing, to doing their call center planning, to doing 
facilities worldwide to doing supply chain management worldwide to doing mergers and acquisitions worldwide to starting a cigar store um, starting a cigar being a cigar blogger right starting a cigar brand opening a cigar factory uh, taking over podcasts as a guest host. <laughs> Commandeering podcasts. <laughs> Mentoring struggling retailers. All right. Men- mentoring people as a whole. I've been, um, I mean, it's a little Forrest Gumpish, my, my kind of whole, I've done a lot of things. Right. And you still don't want to tell us about the Bacardi story? <laughs> I'll have to tell. I'll, I'll tell. That's one I have to save face-to-face. But. Jeez Louise. Okay. So, um... I got that involves national security. <laughs> Such bullshit. <laughs> Such bullshit. So, um, you know, the one thing that, that really kind of disappointed me in our last trip is that um, we didn't get to eat at Finca Sumesa, right? So, um, we didn't make chili this time either. I don't think you didn't go on your citywide search for Fritos. No, we did not. I think do we did we bring Fritos this we time? Brought, we brought yeah, you brought Fritos. you brought yeah. Fritos this time, yes, but it's not, not as fun. Not not the right ones. I don't. Think. So ooh, I got a funny story to tell you. So um, now now that uh, t- enough time has passed, <laughs> the first time in our adventure, uh, and Danny, I'm really sorry about this. Um, when we were out looking for Fritos, uh, and Danny was driving the car. Um, we had a little run-in with the fucking median, and we fucking went boom, 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 right in, over in the my fucking, car in the Explorer. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Uh, Arlen's daughter Patricia has, has since totaled that. Since, since, <laughs> since, 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 since it's totally wrecked, and I know that he can't get in trouble for it. It's uh, you know that that was when it had happened. Like it was total quiet in the car. I was like, bro, I ain't saying a fucking thing. <laughs> that's worry. a pretty interesting story, uh, which I can tell. Okay. Um, so we are flying to Enter Tobacco. We're, we're going. We're going about a week ahead of time because we're going to Madrid mm-hmm. for a week. Uh, so Arlen could go to the embassy, they renew her visa, and um, Arlen gets to the airport in Managua, and she gets a phone call that uh, her 17-year-old daughter has taken the truck from her house and hit another had an accident that's right. all it's all we knew at that point so arlen's like i'm not sure if i want to get back because arlen was flying from managua to panama to spain i was flying from austin to spain and so she messages me um patricia has totaled the car basically uh, i'm like okay what and then of course it was you know radio blackout for eight, 18 hours and i'm like what the, you know is she okay is she dead like i have no idea what happened so as the story developed Apparently what happens, she's decided that she's going to take the car the three blocks to school. Right. She's uh, only driven with me once. It wasn't pretty. She's decided she's going to take the car by herself. She hits a truck on the way to school. Um, and then on the way back from school, she dodges a, a, a vehicle and runs into a house. Ooh. So, yeah. so now I'm, you know, of course... She's not, so I'm getting like text from from SLE right. of the news. It's actually on the news of the truck <laughs> and somebody's house. run into the house. Yeah, kind of a big deal on SLE, right? Yeah, I mean everybody in SLE knows. So okay, so before you get even further into into the story, um, what kind of car was it? A Ford Explorer. Okay, how common is that car in SLE? The only one. Well, I think AJ used to have one. Right. 
and then we had one. Okay. Did so you couldn't, couldn't buy high looks, house. could you? Well, so, the, J- the Japanese don't uh, buy cigars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the car fucking wrecks into a house, right? Well, it doesn't just do it. Right. Someone is driving. Right. Which is awesome. Right. And, like, what's even cool for me is, like, as much correspondence as we have when you're in Nicaragua and stuff, like... I don't even I don't know the shit. I don't know anything that's going on outside of like factory bullshit and like back and forth until you like land and then I'm like holy shit this fucking happened. <laughs> so, go ahead. Yeah, so so there's a whole long series of events. The short version is um, the girl that was in the car, right? Her mother got involved somehow, so we had to sell that out. Then um, we had to basically negotiate and pay to rebuild that part of the house that got crushed. Right. Then we had to basically keep it a non-legal matter, if you know what I'm saying, a non-police matter. And then uh, we had to take care of the other truck, the first vehicle that was hit. Mm -hmm. And then we had to get our car to Managua, which started, this happened in October, and literally the car is still in the body shop. Yeah, because so they don't know what the fuck to do. There, there was about, well, first of all, there was like four months of negotiating with the insurance company. Right, which was the next question I was going to get to. Yeah, and so basically this whole thing's cost me about $30,000. <laughs> so, for, I mean, if you think about it, for a house and a car, that's not, <laughs> that's not too bad. <laughs> you know, if you pull into a fucking house in the United States, you're not smashing a $30,000 house, I can tell you that yeah, much. Yeah, so that's an ongoing uh, situation. The struggle is real. But, you know, that's the news story. Right. We have made the news. Does the news continue to update on the situation, or is it just, no. does it died down? Yeah, there's been dead bodies since then. Right, so, you know, you're just hoping for more uh, yeah, more rage and chaos. But this was, like, right in the middle of, you know, the, the blockades and the riots in the streets. And so this was, like, you know. Right. Just, just a like fun, a, blip. a little fun news story. Right. And in other news. <laughs> the gringo. <laughs> Skip Martin's car. Because, you know, as many people as, as you would think spend a lot of time in Esteli based right. on their blending and everything else. But there's really, you know, there's. Which is horseshit. That's what you're trying to say. But go ahead. So, so I live there. Right. How long have you lived in Nicaragua? Um, five years. Okay. Full time. Um, going on six. Um, there's James Brown. And right. James and Angela, um, and I'm super jealous of this, they actually live in San Juan del Sur now. Oh, and, no shit. And they, they trade turns coming up to the factory. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm super jealous of that. But really, James and I are the only real kind of gringos that are there on a regular basis. Right. And then there's guys that come in and out, like Hector and Saka and, right. you know, uh, the Papine family and, and the Placencias and, and those guys. But right. uh, but in terms of gringos, you know, kind of brand guys, there's really no other gringos there. So it's a really small right. world. You kind of stick out. Yeah, they know everything that happens. <laughs> right. So um, can we talk about attempted muggings? Is that is that permitted? Sure, we can talk about okay, that. Okay, so how many times, so in the five-year span that you lived in, in SLE, um, how many times have you been a... Uh, Attempted to be mugged. Two and a half. Okay. <laughs> half. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that's there, three. There's but, a story but, here. Okay. So you want to break down every one of them? So the first time, so, you know, I stay up late. I don't right. know if you know, but um, 
I've, I've heard about that. I, I usually wake up about 9 or 10 in the morning, and I'll kind of do Facebook and stuff until noonish. Right. I'll eat breakfast when most people eat lunch, and then I'll usually go to bed 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. And um, so back when I first moved to Esalia, I had a little kind of one-bedroom uh, apartment. And um, I would walk to the factory, mm-hmm. you know, midday, and I would stay there because I didn't have internet at the house. I would stay there and work till three or four in the morning with the security guard. Then I would leave and go back to the apartment. Right. Um, the uh, the first mugging, I guess, is the attempted mugging. Attempted mugging. Right. Yeah. So at that time, I was kind of a rookie. I was carrying a gun. Right. Because I didn't know Oof. any better. Which yeah. could be very, very yeah, so What I've sucking. since learned is it's much cheaper to pay someone to carry a gun than it is to carry a gun. <laughs> so I had, I had left the factory at like 3.30 in the morning, took a left. There were some guys on the corner, uh, street up, block up, and the security guy said, hey, watch out for those guys. They're drunk. There were these two guys. So I took a left. They started following me. When I got to the next corner and took a right, they were coming around the first corner. I got the next corner, took a left. They were coming around the next corner. So I kind of ducked into this uh, like little uh, doorway, and they walked past me. And, you know, I didn't really speak great Spanish then, but it was pretty clear what was going on. One of them had a rock. Right. And one of them, you know, they were both drunk. Right. And they were like, you know, like, where'd he go? Where'd he go? So I pulled the gun up behind them and uh, let one off, and they... Uh, shit their pants and ran. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that was the the only armed engagement, right? Um, so when I told that story, everybody said, "Oh, you're fucking stupid for carrying a gun," right? You know, you know so and that was the end like of the gun. Like if you'd have shot him, it would have um, been bad. We had a guy actually break into our house twice in three days. He he climbed into the window once when Patricia was there, right? And he came in the living room. She was in the bedroom. He came in the living room, robbed a bunch of stuff in the living room, dove back out the window. Uh, and then, like, two days later, I'm in the living room, and he comes through the bedroom window. Right. So I grabbed the knife and chased him out the window. and So that was, you know, that was fun. And then we got bars in the window. Right. We should just, we should just do something about that. Yeah. Because realistically, what you've always told me is, you know, I mean, it, I know that we're saying these stories, and this is kind of over a five-year span, but... SLE isn't isn't really a, a violent place. It's more of a crime of opportunity, right? Yeah, you're much more likely to get shot in the United States than you are in SLE, but, you know, if you leave your phone on the table, someone will grab it. Right. The third time uh, was actually probably about a year ago. I was walking from my house to the factory. I had my computer bag across my so- shoulder. Right. And these two guys, you know, probably, I don't know, 18, 20-year-old guys on a motorcycle they both probably weighed less than 130 pounds. Right. They drove past me. No muffler. You kind of go, what's that? So they drove past, and they started looking back. Then they do a circle around the block, and I could hear them coming back around the block. So one of them jumps off the back of the motorcycle with a big butch kitchen knife. Right. <laughs> and he's like, you know, basically, give me your bag. And I'm like, I'm not giving you my bag. So he goes he goes to get to put, to put the knife on me, and I throw my my bag against his his arm and just lift him up and body slam him like WWE style and his buddy on the motorcycle took off (laughs) (laughs) so so I'm standing there with my foot on the knife and this you know 110 pound you know uh, paint huffing kind of knucklehead right and he's just like shitting his pants and this old lady comes out of the 
the bodega mm-hmm. with a broom and beats the shit out of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he, he, she, she like hits him for like the whole block. Right. With the so, brush part of the with, broom. Yeah, right? with the broom. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I outweigh him like three to one. Right. So, I mean, I'm not saying I'm, you know, street fighter. Right. But uh, it's a pretty safe place. And yeah. as long as you're, you got your, I mean, we've walked through the streets at night. Yeah. I always tell you, you know, just keep your head up. Know, right. know who's there. And don't stick your cell phone out. You know, just keep it in your pocket. And right. Don't exactly. be fucking stupid. Right. Right. Um, there's always one that you forget, though. There's one that you had one when you were riding your bicycle. I don't remember. You were riding your bike. Um, the story you told me, and then like uh, you, they were uh, coming at you, and you stopped, and you got off your bike, and you said, "What the fuck?" Oh yeah, yeah, but that was kind of that's not even a half. Right. That's the well, that would be three and a half. That's 3. The, you know, it's kind of they always say you know like because I've spent time in, all around the world, like right. Panama and China and Mala- uh, Malaysia and India and uh, Philippines. And really, it's just don't make yourself a target. Right. So just crime of opportunity. Exactly. So right. that that situation was really more just you know come at me, bro. Right. Right. And, and then, then, they, then they just decided this guy's got cargo shorts. <laughs> 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 he, he, he's fucking special ops. He's ready. He's, I tell you though, it is you don't want to get into a flight a fight in flip flops. You're at a you're at a strategic disadvantage. Right. And you know, plus I only have about. Eight and a half seconds of good fighting me anyway. So, <laughs> so you got to do the WWE you gotta, you, slam. You got to you got to go for the juggler. You got to make beginning. a statement before they uh, realize that you're getting winded. Right. Uh, how many pairs of shoes do you own? Um, Closed toe shoes. Yeah. I have a pair of black ones, a pair of brown ones, and a pair of tennis shoes. Uh, and how often do you wear them? I have fourteen pairs of flip flops. <laughs> I, I, I have to chime in on this one. Yes. Because I noticed. That he's in closed-toed shoes Yeah, I tonight. checked it. I checked I mean, as soon as he walked in. in. He's one of six times this year. That's just going to see and the senator like, shoes. There's no, I, I was shocked to see no, <laughs> no flip-flops. Yeah, I would have changed, uh, but... Um, time was of the essence? Time was of the essence, yeah. Hmm, wow. I, so. I, can I say this? Go ahead. Can I say that I remember the first time I went to Vegas, which was probably two, two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. And I remember that Skip had lost his flip-flops. Oh, it was my yes. birthday. Well, first of all, the IPCBR is usually around your birthday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, some, somebody bought me these, like, ridiculously cheap, girly flip-flops. Yeah. And uh, that was a no-go. <laughs> that, that I, have, I have pretty high standards for my flip-flops. <laughs> yeah, which one? They got, like, the hook on them or whatever the fuck? What are they called? Olakai. Olakai. Yeah. So, so Arlen's a big fan of, of the flip-flops. We have a whole... She makes me trade them out. Oh, really? Yeah, she makes me change them. Like, uh, you know, those smell bad. Let's wash them. Change your flip flops. Right. It's time. It's time to change the flip flops. Right. So I have eight or nine pairs. The chanclas. <laughs> in uh, in in Esteline, I have a few pair in in Austin. Okay. So now, like, now that you recently had a move to have a place in Austin, right? Yeah, Mike and I bought a house right. on the east side of Austin, kind of like an investment. Um, and, I mean, we got sick of buying watches. and <laughs> so, There's only so many watches you can purchase. Yeah, there's only so many watches you can have. So um, we, bought, we, had, we bought a house. Uh, it's really nice. Um, but uh, that's where I stay. when I, It's actually my house, but Mike and I own it together. How often do you... Because uh, he's, he's my boo. He's your boo. He's my boo too, but you know, I mean, this whole new Danny thing. You sound a little jealous. 
You know what? Between their bromance? Yeah. Nah, I don't. Because you, know. you threw in it, it might be it, well, too. You know what it is? Is that it's just that we've kind of lost that love and feeling now that others are involved. Um, you know. Yeah. yeah, you got you know. So like, Danny and I are kind of building a bromance, but yeah. it's like. It's, it's never it going to be the not, same. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's... Danny's, Danny's too sensitive. He is. He is. He, he he is of all the people who love to give out shit to people, right? he has the least capacity to take it of anybody I know. Yeah. Where have we heard that before? I don't know. Hector? Oh. Hector about and Jack Danny? both. About, about Danny. Danny, yeah. Hector and, it's and Danny. So true. Hector and Jack both it's so said about true. Danny. Yeah, he loves to give out shit, and he's quick with the, the he's, comebacks he's and everything. He's fucking smart. He's funny. But then you when land you one on back, him, like, he'll like pout for two hours. <laughs> like, man, fuck, <laughs> man, fuck you, man. Fuck you. Fuck you. Um, so, you know, you recently uh, acquired another person, the, the Frenchie acquisition. John Oliver right? from Zycar. Yeah. So how's he working out? Good. You know, Mike manages that side of the business. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I kind of manage. Yeah, uh, but like, you still know what the fuck is going on. Oh, of course, to right. the nth degree. I right. every single day. I mean, you know, there was a time where you put uh, Koi on blast because you were looking at the cameras and he fell asleep. He fell asleep. And asleep. Poop. <laughs> well, you know, <clears throat> that was just kind of a joke. It right. was really just kind of like a hazing. And then everybody went fucking nuts. On yeah, it. but you know, we we tried to really make Koi part of the team. Of course. You know, um, you know, Koi was Mike's decision, hiring decision. Right. I've probably hired in my life, I've probably hired, I don't know, 5,000, 6,000 people. I've only fired four people in my whole entire life. Right. Um, I've forced people just to quit right. and give up, you know, like ring the bell like a Navy SEAL. <laughs> but, I, but I've only fired four who, who just wouldn't leave. Right. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, you got to go. <laughs> so when Koi came to us and said, uh, hey, I think we got this opportunity, we're like, no, what, what can we do to help you? <laughs> you know, and Didn't it wasn't because Koi, was, you know, Koi was hired to really be a warehouse guy. Right. And then he wanted to do more. He wanted to get involved in the sales side. He just didn't have the skill set to do it at that point in time. And then he also missed home. Awesome is expensive. Right. Um, I mean, you know, I mean, 27-year-olds don't know how to adult. Anyway, yeah, right. I mean, he had a constant struggle with laundry. It was, it <laughs> yeah. was. Epic. I mean, that's difficult at twenty-seven. Yeah, but now people. you know he's out on the road and um, I, I, everything. I mean, he's working for a great company, at, uh, Black Black Label, Black Label, right. and any babes now. And he's close to his family. I think he's. I think he's doing a good job. Uh, he called me the other day. I forgot to call him back. Mm. Oh my god! So, so Corey, uh, call Mike back. So he doesn't have your number. Um, how you know, like you do a really good job of uh, engaging people on uh, social media, especially Facebook. Um, do you have like a regimen for that, or do you just kind of wing it, or you know, how often do you check on your, your content? I know you said earlier that you check it in the mornings, but I mean, I'm probably on. I mean, I view it as part of my job. I mean, right? Um, I probably do social media. If we added up all the screen time, maybe six hours a day. Right. Um, and But I do it from a, a member of the community perspective, not from a company owner perspective. Yeah. Right. I, I do have to like things that, that people say on our pictures or do whatever, and that's kind of a, a company thing. But really, I go into other people's posts and, and you know, this guy had a baby. This guy's getting married. Happy um, birthdays. Yeah. So um, Collages. Yeah, I mean, it's really more being part of the community mm -hmm. than I don't view it really as work. 
but it is really work. Right, but you do a good job of, um, identi- you know, just being a part of the content, right? And and liking and commenting and shit like that. And I think a lot of people don't understand that um, that's what it takes, right? You know? Yeah, I, I mean, you could probably go through my posts, and other than me saying, hey, I'm smoking a cigar, right. and it happens to be mine, I don't really spend a lot of time promoting my own product. Right. So when I'm in the factory during the day, from the first day I was in the factory, and I was like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Check this out. Right. I still do that kind of stuff, but it's not a, it's not a promotional thing. Right. Um, it's more just like, hey, you know, I'm living my life, and this is the coolest thing ever. And I mean, literally... I mean, I do what I want. I, I had up. no idea. <laughs> I, I wake I didn't up, see I wake up when know? I want. I go to bed when I want. Right. I smoke what I want right. when I want. Yeah. I buy what I want when I want. Yeah, so I'm, you show I'm pretty, up at Cigar Hustler when you want. I'm pretty lucky that way. <laughs> you know? I'm really jealous of the f- every time you post food. Yeah. Uh, oh cooking is a, cooking like, is a big part of our life because for me, cooking is not um, a job. Right. You know, we get home from the factory, and we settle our bags in. We separate the baby from from Wani, the nanny, and, and, you know, spend a little time with her. And then, you know, when we're kind of talking to each other about anything that's not really business-related, we're cutting vegetables. and Right. I mean, dinner is a three-hour thing pretty much For every, sure. at the house. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we're not going to talk about the USS Key West. Oh my God. <laughs> um, all right, so I got, I got national a, security, Michael. So, I got a couple touchy ones too that I w- want to kind of address because, like, um, I know why you've done these things, but it's I want to get it kind of out for the record, right? Dude, you can ask me whatever you want. I, I will always fucking answer. Right, except for what happened Typical on the USS Key West. So this year you got three limiteds coming out, right? Um. Define limited. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, so you have three, uh, you know, exclusives coming out, right? You have the Craft 2019. Okay, Jeff. Y- you're right. You have the Witchcraft. Uh, tobaccoology. Right. And you have the Don Bosco. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Old Virginia Tobacco Company. Right. So what made you decide to release those products solely for those stores? So it's a combination of factors. Mm-hmm. Um, the... Most in all three cases, I had well in two of the three cases, I had the idea for the product. Um, so the craft 2019 is a humongous pain in the ass to make. Right. Um, they can only uh, a, a pair of rollers that normally makes 350, 400 cigars a day can only make a hundred. Right. Um, they have to touch it three or four times uh, t- to do it. Um, we only made. Um, I think about forty eight hundred of them. Right. And it probably we probably could have made twenty five thousand cigars in that period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to. I, we were definitely going to do the witchcraft because when we came out with Craft two thousand eighteen that had the candela foot, uh, we did two thousand thirteen and two thousand fourteen. Two thousand thirteen was like two thousand boxes. Two thousand fourteen was a hundred boxes for the Cali Megaherf. Right. Um, so I wanted to do a project like that where I wanted to use because when we were in the blending process for Craft. 218 uh, we were going back and forth about whether it should be Candela or Connecticut right and so um, I really liked the Connecticut one um, we just didn't have enough broadleaf to make another 2,000 boxes so that's why we decided to make you know a couple hundred boxes of that and you know small retailers you guys Jeff 
Brett, guys that really support us, but also, you know, having a March, April, May, you know, $20,000 boost of sales doesn't hurt. So right. um, that's why we did that project. Right, but it's easy. I mean, you could have just turned any of those brands on to all retailers. Yeah, but then it's like it's like Sabretooth, where you get one box or two boxes. Right. And I just wanted to make it something where we could actually visit the retailer for the, the release. And, um, you know, there's just a, a list of guys I want to do things for, and it's right. just taken me 10 years to get to some of them. Which was, yeah, and that's kind of what I was kind of getting to. You know, it was like... Um, um, Old Virginia is a different thing. Old Virginia, Gary Pesh has seven stores. He's right. one of these real kind of old school guys who's really supported us, the TAA guys. And, um, you know, the Black Irish has always been really popular. We can't, we, we could make, I mean, I can't make enough of those. So, right. um, we, he asked me to do a project. And at the same, and this is what generally happens is at the same time, Esteban's telling me that the church needs help with this program, which has become even more critical because um, of all the problems that have been happening in Nicaragua. Um, there's people whose dads have left to go to the border. There's people whose moms have lost their jobs. And, right. And these kids are, like, out in the streets just running fucking wild. And so this Don Bosco program, they they do a lot with those kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, of course, I mean, every day I walk around, I'm pulling money out of my pocket for one thing or another. That's just part of the deal. But um, in this case... Gary was asking me for a special project at the same time. Um, the church was asking us for a pretty significant amount of money to help them out. And, you know, people like Nestor Placencia, for example, give so much to this this church. And Esteban's been a member there for 20 years. Um, and, you know, I, I think he has a he has, feels this obligation to do as much as the other guys do. Right. And, you know, of course, he can't do as much as Nestor Placencia. But, um, yeah. So, um, I mean, that guy owns. <laughs> he's a billionaire, right? right? So, um, two things happened. One, we were going to do the project, and we were going to give 100% of our profits at the factory level, which is we make about 30%. So, if it costs me X to make a cigar, we add 30% to that, and that's what we sell it to the U.S. for. Right. Um, the, uh, of course, yours, we do about 80%. Right, of course. My cigars are 30%. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, but then Gary came back and said, you're pricing this for a dollar less than the Black Irish. What if I sell it for the same price as Black Irish, but I'll do a dollar per cigar back to the, to the charity as well? Which, oh, no which, which actually rates, so altogether it's about fifteen or $20,000. Nice. So it's a pretty decent chunk of money. I mean, you know, the average annual salary for someone down there is, who has a really good job is three or $4,000 a year. So right. this is basically... You know, it's a pretty significant chunk of money. So money's being donated on the factory level, right? Right. On the that's Esteban and I. Right on the Roma Craft level, right? Uh, no, not on the Roma Craft level. Not and, on the Roma Craft level. And on on Gary's part, the Gary is doing it. Yeah. So what's happened so far? Last year's crop of broadleaf was really bad. Right. Um, two years ago, we use you know, we use about. 3,500, 4,000 pounds of U.S. Connecticut broadleaf, maybe 5,000 pounds, depending if it's XL or whatever. Um, and last year, two years ago, we had about 1,500 pounds extra from what we needed. So instead of making more cigars, we kind of held that in reserve. Right. And then this year, we only had 1,500 pounds total. So 
that came available in November. So that's the tobacco we would have used this fiscal year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a bad crop, all kinds of things. We've begged, borrowed, and we've gone to Frank Miller at Lancaster Leaf in Dominican. We've gone to Gus Cura at Nicoprosa. We've, you know, uh, traded stuff we did have for stuff. Because, you know, the heavy broadleaf we use for Cro-Magnon, a lot of people don't use that heavy stuff. So um, at the end of the the bottom line of that is, is we're only this year making about half as many Cro-Magnon as we usually make. Right. So that's part of the reason why we were bringing Whiskey Rebellion National. That's part of the reason why we did the Weaselito. It's part of the reason why we had a little bit of room to do these kind of projects in January, February, and March. Right. And we'll have room at the end of the year to do a little bit more uh, of those kinds of things. But, um, you know, I could release 400 boxes or 500 boxes to one retailer. Right. Or I could release 500 boxes to 300 retailers. Right. Right. And you know, these are guys that you've done business with for a long time. Yeah, I mean, we've done the Firecracker Project. Right. We've done a lot of our kind of annual limited releases like Blockhead and stuff like that were store exclusives originally. Right. Um, I mean, mine was a Skeeter. Mean, yeah. And we, and we don't – the AWS, IB. Right. And that was before Palestania in, in Guaymaro. Right. Uh, this year we're doing one for you. Right. We're I doing the, the, the War Pig. The war pig, war, war, bear. war bear, war bear, war bear, yeah. war bear. Yeah. War pig is next year. Sorry, I let the cat out of the bag. No, that's SPC is next year. Yeah, um, that's actually a great cigar. Yeah, um, yeah. You're really excited about that one. Yeah, I mean, there's been some things you've done. I've, you know, I'm not. A <laughs> liked, right. So, like, when you say that you like one, I was like, holy shit. You yeah, know? It, it was. It was really. It's really good. Um, it's actually better than I expected it to be. We actually made a change to it from when you were at the factory at the foot, but yeah, it's even better. Um, a little tweaking. Yeah. Um, and then we're doing the the new size of the Guimero. So, like, I'll give you an example right. of why that one comes comes around. Yeah. So Esteban comes to me and he says, "Hey, um, here's the production plan for Q1. Here's the production plan for Q2. We have a lot of the, the San Andreas is coming out of the Pallone in in April." What we have left, we, we've made all the Neanderthals, we've mm-hmm. made all the SGPs, we've made all the GDs, we've made all everything you've asked me to make, um, but we still have a lot of small San Andreas. Okay. So I'm like, well, he's like, do you want me to make more SGPs? And I'm like, well, no. Right. I'm like, well, why not make a, another small Guimero? Right. And then so because we, we have enough tobacco to make five thousand of those, let's do that. So that's where a lot of those things kind of come around is the tobacco really dictates some of that stuff. Right. So, so you like you like the war bear? Like the war I do bear. like it. And the new Guaymaro is probably yeah, so my like, favorite I mean, of the that four was sizes. Just, that was kind of like a surprise. Like I just saw the post and I was like, oh, shit. A, we, he was a little whiny because he had just come back from Nicaragua and, and he didn't know about it. But, yeah, like how did – I was whiny? You were a little whiny. So we do this kind of 360 review thing where we give reviews to the guys, and then, then, you know, Danny. John doesn't have anything but positive stuff to say. Danny, of course, has something to whine about. Right. So Danny's biggest whine is, so, um, you know, I don't like coming into work with all these text messages going, what's going on with this new thing? And then I have to read it on half will. (laughs) 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 And then Mike's like, that's where I find out about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Right, no doubt. Um, you got another one coming out too, the Baca, Baca. Oh yeah, right? Cameroon. So yeah. you were working on that Cameroon when I was down there in February. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we've but, been working on it for about a year and a half, I think. right? But it was—I mean, you didn't really talk about it too much. So, um, what's going on with that? So yeah, what's going on with that? <laughs> so um, Jack Toronto is a really good friend of mine, right? I mean, probably one of the guys. I mean, if you don't like Jack Toronto, you you need a you're question. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. Right. Yeah. So um, it's true. Jack. Uh, since he made the move, even when Jack was with Roberto Duran, um, him and Sam would come over, and you know Jack always visits the factory when he comes into town. Esteban actually started, you know, in 1992 or something, with Sergio Cuevas, who was partners with Carlos Tarano. Right. Raúl Esteban's brother, who actually now manages Noxa and works with Steve Saka, as an example for one. Right. Um, Raul actually went on the Dunhill Sign Range kind of tour through Europe um, for Carlos Tarano. And at the, around that same time, Esteban moved from the Dominican in 1997 to uh, Nicaragua. Right. And he started working at a, a factory that went out of business in like a month. And then he got a job with Fidel Olivas working at Latin Cigar. There was three or four pairs, small factory. That became one of the largest factories in Nicaragua, later became STG. The factory right when you come into town. Right. And they made Toronto cigars for 20-something years. And so Jack had asked us, uh, he said, look, you know, I really want to make something. I want to... It never really worked out. Um, When Jack went to General Cigar, um, I think he was struggling a lot with getting new innovative products to reinvigorate the brand. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were doing things with Romeo and Julieta. They were doing things with Hoyo. But they really weren't doing anything to help the Toronto line. Right. And they've, you know, they haven't really since. Right. So, um, yeah, he talked about that when he was here. Yeah, no Jack, no Toronto. No right. Jack, no Toronto sampler. So, um, so Jack uh, had been asking us for years, just kind of like you know, uh, you were talking about a minute ago, where one day I said, you know, I really would like to work with Cameroon. You know, we have Cameroon binder on the Cro-Magnon Aquitaine. Right. Um, but I, I really wanted to work with Cam- African Cameroon as a rapper. And the 1916 Tarano Cameroon was a one that I thought was always really underappreciated. So I said, hey, you know, what, what I would be willing to do is a limited edition with you. Because of this Cro-Magnon thing, I have a little bit of productivity, uh, pr- production capacity. Right. So um, I asked Esteban, as I always do, um, we're sitting there, and I said, Esteban, what was the blend for the 1916 Cameroon? He's like, okay, it's Cameroon wrapper. Uh, Yamastron binder, Yamastron viso, Yamastron. I mean, he, he like right. nailed, like he off the top of his fucking head. Right. I mean, and, and no bullshit. Um, he has like this Looney Tunes right fucking binder. Have yeah. you seen it? I was gonna ask. Oh, you told me about it. <laughs> and it has every blend he's ever worked on right. in twenty something years. Every one of them. And you know, a lot of people took credit as the blender, but the blender really is the guy who selects and buys the tobacco. Right. You know, like like you blended Palestania. Right. But really, we gave you the tobacco to blend exactly. Palestania. And you said, okay, I like this one. Right. Right. I couldn't tell you the fucking difference. No. Right. You I did blend the, the one, two, three sycamore or whatever. Right. 320 that's sycamore. Kind of a piece of dog shit. Yeah, that's one that you fucking hate. <laughs> yeah. I also um, blended the fucking War Bear, so fuck you. <laughs> that's a good cigar. Right. We've we've talked. You, you haven't quite grabbed the pebble from my hand, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. You've told me a couple times that I have, so you, you know. you're doing you did pretty good Thanks. with that. Thanks. Um, but that's what you do because I don't get up until noon. I come into the factory like one or two, 
you get in there early and manipulate Esteban. It's not really a manipulation and, thing. And doing things yeah. for you. And then I, 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 I think I've heard i got to get in there before Skip. Yeah, and then I come in and go, what the fuck is this? You know, this is working on something. Right. So... You gotta go a little deeper than just Esteban too. Like so I told Jack, uh, <laughs> Wilmer, and yeah, you gotta you gotta know the guys. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, yeah, twenty bucks will long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Twenty bucks absolutely. in the cigar hustle. Hey, sure. hey, what's up, man? I need this cigar made. So um, I told Jack, I said, look, here's what I'm willing to do. I am willing, if you, because I mean, I've gone through the warehouse in Santiago with Benjamin Mendez and just seen the tobacco that they have. Right. And, you know, I know the tobaccos we use really, really well. I know most of the tobaccos that I can get access to in Esteli pretty well. And this is what always happens. People will say things like, this is the year of the Ecuador, Connecticut, or this is the year of the San Andreas, or here's what really happens. Somebody either decides that they're going to start bringing a new kind of tobacco in, or and like in our case, when we started making the Brazil Autopodaca, Nobody was using Atapadaca except for Scandinavia. Right. And we bought all this, uh, you know, 8,000 pounds, 6,000 pounds or whatever from Fidel Olivas that John Drew had sold back to him. Then we had to go to GK uh, and say, hey, you got to start bringing Atapadaca in for us. So we started bringing Atapadaca in. All of a sudden, there's like eight other cigars with Atapadaca. Right. And, and, and I don't have any problem with that. I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like what happens is the local market starts getting in okra and all mm-hmm. of a sudden all the restaurants start selling okra dishes right right it's not that this is the year of the connecticut that's what happened to be at the market right. this week it's, right that's what was available that's what people could get yeah yeah so i mean for example um when we started using the the double harrow pennsylvania nobody was using it. i mean that was something they ground up and scrapped the green river valley when we started using the green river sucker one right now five or six other people have started to try to use it no, no one understands it i don't think is the way we do but i mean the neanderthal is a is the only way you can really make a cigar with that right um so um i said to we can't really get cameroon and sle i mean there's only three people who are really doing cameroon um oliva does it with the g and right. they, and i forget the name of the family from the from africa that it starts with an m um i should know this but i don't right um so this family has been selling to Gilberto forever, and now, it's particularly with Jay Cortez, they, they, they have as much money as they need to buy whatever they need. Right. Then uh, STG has it, but mainly most of that stuff gets done in Santiago. And then um, there's a, another place that has it. That we, that's where we get our yield for the Cameroon, for the binder. So um, we said, you know, if I can go into your warehouse with Esteban and we can go pick out the tobacco we want, then um, we'll blend one of these for you. And it's our interpretation of the original 1916 Cameroon. Right. Because it's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And this isn't a, this isn't a valued evaluation of the, whether this is good or bad. This is just the facts. Mm-hmm. Fidel Olivas, in one example, Fidel Olivas was a farmer. Fidel Olivas had tobacco in SLE. Fidel Olivas was one of the very first people to build relationships to cultivate tobacco in Pueblo Nuevo. Fidel Olivas um, had uh, processing in farms of SLE and Regadillo, which is probably the best SLE leaf. Now there's none grown there, and it's a shame. That's where you took me. That's the mountains, right? Yeah. And so um, 
when Swedish Match purchased CAO, the production was still being done at Latin Cigar. Then Scandinavia bought Swedish Match, and Swedish Match, the, the, the CAO thing, got pulled up under General Cigar. If I, if I have that correct. I'm pretty sure I do. Mm-hmm. That whole time... We don't fact check. Esteban, <laughs> Esteban worked... Um, do you at, need another cigar? I got one. Okay. Uh, Esteban was managing um, the Scandinavia factory. Well, what happened was it was, okay, we'll buy cigars from you. Fidel was making the majority of the cigars a Latin cigar with his own tobacco. A lot of the blends had Pueblo Nuevo. A lot of the blends had his proprietary kind of tobacco. And then, of course, when um, Scandinavia took over, what they decided to do was not to buy tobacco from Fidel Olivas anymore. Right. Because right in the middle of all that, Fidel Olivas just happened to start a whole other factory <laughs> and was using his best tobacco at the other factory and right. was taking a lot of customers from Latin cigar, like the Newmans and, and Gurkha and Taranio. And so um, there was not a good separation there, kind of like you know we talked about earlier with Jeff. And um, <laughs> Partners. <laughs> so, uh, Partners. So what was happening, one of the number one projects that Esteban had worked on that he was very, very, very proud of late on was the La, La Traviata. Mm-hmm. And they had substituted a lot of the original material in that blend for things that they had from their farms in Honduras or Dominican or whatever. And so it completely changed the blend. Right. Right? And and he really took that personal. Like, there's no integrity of the blend. It's just a bullshit brand. Right. And, and I'm not saying the, the old one's better or worse than the new one. I'm just saying... It's different. It's different. It's different, and he wasn't happy about it. Mike Palmer's in the room, everybody. Right. So... Um, Shut up. 1916 Cameroon was one of those right. where the tobacco that was used before was not used later. Mm-hmm. So our kind of whole pitch to Jack was, we'll make it, but we're going to make it with the original blend. Right. We're going to go to the farm where the original Hamastron was purchased. We're going to, but we we need to get the Cameroon from you, and we need to. And by the way, we're not using Colombian. because Colombian was in the original blend, and Colombia was kind of like this filler tobacco that the Latin cigar used. A lot, which I'm just not a huge fan of. Right. So we were going to substitute the Colombian tobacco, and we were going to do our own kind of spin on it and do a limited edition version. So we started blending that, which is really my first time ever blending with Cameroon. Right. And was also a really kind of an eye-opener for Esteban saying, you know, how do we switch out things and make it better? Right. Right. And so, um, you know, longer story shorter, um, in the middle of that, is when Scandinavia took a kind of a a left turn on Tarano as a brand right. and Can Jack. Fueling the growth. They were fueling right. the growth. <laughs> right. So um, at that point for us it was we're not trying to replicate these sizes of the original 1916 anymore. What if we made the Cro-Magnon sizes and what if we did it more consistent with our tobaccos and just did our own version of what is the best Cameroon we could make. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when we started making, I think we, we did about 10 other varieties of it. Still has the core of, of Honduran tobacco, still has the core of the Cameroon. Right. Uh, we changed up the binder and, and, and some but of the filler. It's got your, your tweak on it. Yeah, and then uh, this is the first time we've actually taken the blend back to Austin, and as a team we've smoked all the different 
uh, finalist. Which it, I, I just want to say that I think is that that's complete horseshit. I feel feel like I should have been incorporated in that, and you should have at least sent me a couple. Well, you know, I'm you know, with you, brother. You know what I mean? It's fucking what the fuck? Well, it's uh, all I can tell you is um, almost always when we get down to the final three or four, Esteban and, and I almost always land on the same one. Really? Um, there have been a couple of times where Mike and I have landed on one, and Esteban was kind of the odd man out. But this time, um, almost everyone universally agreed that this was the best option. And it's completely different than most things we make because it's, you know, everything we make, you could say that's a Nico Suena cigar because it has a very uh, signature kind of characteristic. I mean, it tastes like the factory smells, like you say, a lot. And um, this one is completely different. No shit. And it's... uh, I've smoked a lot of Cameroon cigars. Like traveling, I'm like, okay, let me get to Lafleur Cameroon, let me get this Cameroon, let me get that one. And um, if it comes out as good as I think it's going to, it's probably I think one of the best Cameroon cigars. Okay, why well, call um, it Baca? So, so there's four kind of deviants of the original early modern human. There's Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, the Denovians, the Denovians mm-hmm. and Asia, and then there's the what they call the ghost DNA. Which is they've never found an art. They've only found like a finger. Um, so they there there's this. They see these remnants in. Uh, I've posted a story on this on Facebook. But there's these remnants in DNA that says we know this came from Cro-Magnon. We know this came from Neanderthal. We know this came from Cro-Magnons having sex with Neanderthals. Right. There's this other chromosomal artifact that they called the ghost uh, part of the DNA, ghost chromosome, because they don't know where it came from, and. Uh, there was a guy in North Carolina that had this, and they tracked it back to this pygmy tribe in, in Africa. And so it's the fourth leg of the early modern human. Aha! And it's Africa, Cameroon. You know, the Neanderthal was discovered in Germany. Right. The uh, Cro-Magnon was discovered in France. And then this is uh, Cameroon. So, you say that, so what you're saying is there's a lot of detail in everything that you do and everything that you name. Well, I try to make it relevant. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just the Cameroon Robusto. And if that's all you know, then that's... (laughs) That doesn't sound quite as good as the Baca. If that's all you know, you can still enjoy the cigar. Right. Right. Right? But once you get kind of more engaged with the brand, you know, you take the first label off. There's something underneath it. There's, you know, every name. Like, one of the sizes is called Otabanga. And um, he actually is not Baca. He's not a pygmy. I mean, he is a pygmy, but he wasn't Bachman. He was more of a Congolese pygmy. But um, you could Wikipedia this, but Otabanga is, uh, this is a fucked up story, but literally he's a guy that they snatched out of Africa and they put him in a zoo. No shit. Like he was an animal. Wow. Damn. And then, yeah, it's, you have to Wikipedia. You wouldn't believe if I told you the story. Right. But yeah, so you get this name called Otabanga and it's like, what the fuck is Otabanga? Mm-hmm. And then you go wiki and go, holy shit, I can't believe we did that. That's crazy. Yeah, they literally had this human being in a zoo. That's fucking... Yeah. So, um, I mean, those kinds of things are fascinating to me. The, the whole subculture of cigars is about you know, the anthropological kind of aspect of this, the historical aspect. That's kind of what we... Right. That's you got to name it something. Point. Right. I mean, could you, name, you could name it something that, you know... I mean, when you were, when you were coming up with your brand... Right. My advice, maybe the best advice you ever had. I don't know. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. It seems to be a theme tonight. Right. But I gave you this advice of make it personal. Yeah, no, no doubt. 
right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's the funny-looking Polish one w- with Perfecto. Right. But if you, st- if you start to learn, I mean, I've learned even since then about the uprising right. um, in, um, in Poland. I've had people come into the factory from Poland. And they're with, like, some Peace Corps group or whatever. And then they see that example box sitting there. And they go, like, holy cow, what is this? Right. I'm like, well, that's a brand we make for this guy. Like, do you know what this is? I'm like, yeah, I know what it is. Right. And then they tell me the whole story about, you know, uh, the Polish uprising and Warsaw and, and everything. And I'm like, yeah, but someone – for someone who – who doesn't even smoke cigars, who sees that, they immediately connect with it. Right. And then they're like, well, I want one of those boxes. I'm like, well, I don't have any of those boxes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so then I have to get Freddie to bring right. you know, boxes over for them. So um, make it personal. Make it mean something. Right. You know, people say, oh, man, this is – I mean, it's a whole lot better than just some gringo guy making up Spanish names. Right. Like Steve Saka. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, Steve's one of my oldest – I was a huge Steve Saka fan before he knew who I was. Mm-hmm. And years later, when I was in the business, I came over and sat with him and said, hey, man, you know, you're one of my idols in the business. He's like, who the fuck are you? you know, right. like, I got a cigar brand. He's like, what? Everybody's got a cigar brand now. Right. But since then, we've become more peers. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, um, so, you know, I get along with him now. As well. Arlen loves Steve. In fact, the only cigar Arlen will smoke now <laughs> is the is Sin, Sin Compromiso. Which... <laughs> yeah. What's the number one cigar in Degenerate Weasels? Yeah, I'm like, do you realize it's $18? <laughs> but Steve loves that, that that's her favorite cigar. Oh, yeah, he takes great pride in it. I mean, he won one of the Fiorellas that, that you had me bring up. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, Steve, his online persona aside, Steve has a, has a very... Um, <laughs> the interesting thing is once you know Steve, you really know... Notice that Steve is um, worried that people aren't going to accept something. Right. You know, like me, I honestly just make what I like, and either you buy it or you don't. Right. Right. I think Steve really has always felt like he has this like reputation he has to live up to. Right. And so he like overdoes everything. Right. And so. Um, Brittany. That's where his waitress. Uh, oh, waitress. I think it's locked upstairs. Sorry. That's that's where all that stuff comes from. Yeah. That's where all that comes from, is out of this fear oh, that he's the not going to be successful. Right. <laughs> if, if I was going to psychoanalyze him. If you're going to psycho, psychoanalyze Steve Saga? Yeah. You know, what's cool is, like, uh, he he stopped in to say hi to me, you know, a few months ago. Like a month ago. Like a month ago. Yeah. 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 Which, you know, true estate soccer would, and it was like, who the fuck is this guy? Like, <laughs> right? But now, you know, it's totally different. Well, you know, Steve, um, if he had started with guys like you. Right. I think he would be in a much better position now than he is. Now he's got guys he's gone into because they brought in Drew Estate Steve Saka. They never really supported his brand. And really it's guys like you that really do the best job with his brand. So right. um, he's kind of learned that lesson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a smart guy for sure. Um, all right. So I got a couple other questions. I got a lot more to, that to tell you. That alarm's probably on. David's car's still out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. Okay. That's what I was telling her what his car looked like. Um... This is what brings the the this, the the touch of professionalism to right. this podcast. Oh yeah, we're not we're definitely <laughs> not breaks. at that level. We don't give a fuck. We're literally just recording a bullshit conversation in a garage. Right. Just and you know what it is. <laughs> exactly. Wait a second. We're not in the fucking garage. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, we're come in the, on. Uh, we're in the we're, we're in the, the auxiliary. The non smoking smoking lounge. They used to be the uh, my Bible study room. Right. Um, so what's going on with the Connecticut Chromag? 
Is that a thing? So, um, not really. Um, Mike and Should Dan be. like to send ideas to Esteban without me know about it. Right. And they say, hey, can you make <laughs> you me You might want to start getting up can earlier. It seems like a lot I mean, that's kind of bullshit, though, because up. we were talking about it, and you had it done when we were there. So, I mean, we take – so it, we're sitting idea. there in the room, and I'm like, hey, go take some segundos right. that are already aged. Take the wrapper off and put a Connecticut on and see right. how it smokes. Yeah. And give them all the chat. Yeah, that's not something that's going to come out anytime soon. But Okay. Why? He seems so disappointed. Okay. Um, yeah. I, there's I mean, a long list of things to do. I mean, one of my favorite that. cigars is the Brotherly Kindness, right? I mean, I smoke that cigar literally every day, right? So, you know, uh, a different Connecticut shade coming out of that factory, I'm always intrigued. You know? I'm not a big fan of that. I'm not even, I don't even like the way it tastes. But what I have been looking for is natural shade U.S. Connecticut Broadleaf. Mm-hmm. So um, we've been trying to Sounds find. Sounds expensive. We've been trying to find some, you know, lighter kind of shade grown, um, or at least natural color, Colorado color, U.S. Connecticut broadleaf. Because I remember back in the day, things like uh, Fuente was would make some of those, like La Unica and, and some other ones that I, that I really liked. And um, it doesn't have that bitter, grassy taste that Ecuador, Connecticut has. Right. So uh, I've been looking for that. And if we can ever find some of that, we'll probably make like a a black Irish version, kind of uh, four or 500 boxes or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, I've got like six tobacco plants I've grown at home if you want, you know, a little something different. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Florida shade grown. Super, the Florida sun grown. Super yeah, elite. Exactly. Okay, we're going to go ahead and cut off right here and end part one of the Skip Martin Chronicles. Stay tuned next week for part two and then part three. Hello, this is a prepaid collect call from the Correctional Institution. This call is subject to recording and monitoring. To accept charges, press one. To refuse charges, thank you for using Teen. This has been a Cigar Hustlers podcast, a Mike and Mike production. Make sure to come back every Tuesday at 10 a.m. for a new episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whichever providers you use. Come back next week for part two.